It's Chiefs Broncos week, and we're here to talk about it on Sportsbeat KC. It's Thursday, October 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Herbie Teope joined me in talking Chiefs on a Sportsbeat Live Thursday morning, and now it's a podcast. There was plenty of ground to cover. How the Chiefs will use Le'Veon Bell, the newcomers in the Chiefs' offensive line, some unjust criticism of Patrick Mahomes, an inspired defense, and how we think things will shake out in Denver are some of the topics that we cover. Plus, we responded to viewer comments and questions. Hey, I have to apologize for some technical difficulties that affected our sound, especially with Herbie. We're working out a connection problem and hope to have it fixed by our next broadcast. That'll be on Sunday after the game. So let's get started with the A-Team talking Chiefs. Well, it's a minor miracle, but somehow we have all assembled for Sportsbeat Live here, the pregame Broncos edition, and we are here to talk Chiefs with you. Please send us your questions and comments. We'll get to as many of them as we can. Uh, Let me introduce the esteemed panel uh, that have assembled here to talk Chiefs with you. Sam Mellinger is here. Hey, Sam. I forgot my sunglasses. Is, is, is that okay? Yes, yes. You are kind of bright. Uh, <laughs> very bright. Um, Sam McDowell, I hope you were able to uh, take care of business before you came on. <laughs> yep. Pretty good. It's, it's good that you're mute. <laughs> I, I said thanks for bringing that up, Blair. I appreciate yeah. it. You're, you're welcome. Vahe, good to see you. Good to see you, and I've been meaning to say this for a long time, and Blair, probably you're the only one who gets this, maybe Herbie. That uh, that intro by Neil Nakahato, it makes me think of how excited I used to get when the Hawaii Five O music was coming on before the show. Good and stuff. For, and for the younger uh, Sams on this, that, that was a television show in the <laughs> 70s. Yeah, they had the reboot, but I don't think that counts. <laughs> That's right. And drum roll, please. Herbie Teope is in the house today. What's up, Herbie? The things I do for God, country, honor, and sports beat, man. I'm here. <laughs> yes, you, yeah, you are. It's great to see you, buddy. Um, and since you're here, why don't you get us rolling with, um, uh, <clears throat> well, as we start this thing like we always do with some injuries. And I think it was up to four who didn't practice yesterday, including uh, a couple of defensive ends. Which is interesting to me. Alex Okafor did not work out yesterday. <clears throat> Didn't work out. Uh, just let's go down the injury list and, and talk about what that might mean for the Chiefs as they take on the Broncos on on Sunday. Well, your big injuries, obviously, your two biggest ones. Uh, Sammy Watkins is still not practicing with the hamstring injury, and then Mitchell Schwartz, who left. Uh, last week's game against the Bills with a back injury in the first quarter, he also didn't practice. Your two defensive ends, Taco Charlton. Coach Andy Reid revealed, uh, what's today? Thursday. He revealed Wednesday that it was a knee injury. And then obviously Alex Okafor, he suffered another hamstring injury. And it's not the same one that he hurt in week one. It's the other one. Uh, wow, that's just a tough break for him. But you're absolutely correct because now they're down two defensive ends. And they're going to be tested on, on the on the pass rush side because now you've got Frank Clark, Tano Passanio, and Damone Harris, who hasn't been – active at all this year those are down they're down to the last three healthy defensive ends of course Krishan Wharton can kick outside as well but being down two defensive ends is, is a concern 
Yeah, I was going to say you you just mentioned what they what the options are there, but it doesn't seem like there are many options, and uh, and and they're facing a team that's um, you know in the Broncos and maybe in some snowy conditions that's uh, going to want to establish the run. Uh, defensive linemen you're going to need on on Sunday, uh, your better one. So we'll we'll have to see another injury report today. And on Friday as well, but the final injury report of the week. And Herbie, I wanted to ask you about some other names that came up this week, guys who haven't played and what their status is. Let's start with Kalen Saunders. What's uh, what's going on with Saunders? Hey, Saunders landed on injured reserve earlier in the year with an elbow injury, but the Chiefs designated him as from injured reserve on Wednesday. The same thing with Martinez Rankin. Martinez Rankin has been on the pup list with a knee injury that he suffered in Week Ten of the 2019 season. He's been designated as return to practice as well. Uh, your last one is Jordan Tamu. He, he was obviously he landed on the COVID nineteen list uh, during the Patriots week, but he was activated back to the practice squad. Your big ones are going to be Rankin and Saunders. I think Saunders and Rankin. You got a three window now because you got what was specifically in Rankin on the pup list. You got to spend at least a minimum of six weeks on the pup list before you're designated to, to return to practice. And then once he returns to practice, which he did yesterday, you got a 21-day window for the Chiefs to either decide to keep him on the pup list or activate him to the 53. The same thing, 21-day window with Saunders as well. So they've got some time there to evaluate them, see where they are with their injury before they decide, are they healthy enough to return? Rankin, to me, is the big one because they need some offensive line depth there. Uh, you've got uh, Kalichi Osamelia, who landed on injured reserve last week, Schwartz is banged up. They're down to eight offensive linemen, and they've had eight offensive linemen active for every game this year. We'll get into the offensive line in a bigger way later because that was such a played such a big role in the win over Buffalo on Monday night. But let's talk about the the newest acquisition for the Chiefs um, after rushing for a. And a season best, at least, and I think an Andy Reid era best, 245 yards against the Bills, and uh, 161 of those by Clyde Edwards-Helaire. The Chiefs uh, <laughs> went out and got Le'Veon Bell this week, and uh, at least uh, got him late last week, and and now he is suited up, wearing uniform number 26, and ready to go against the Broncos on Sunday. I mean, is this just a case, um, Sam McDowell, of, of the rich getting richer? What, what is this, what this going to mean for the Chiefs? You know, I still think there's a question about how much this guy has left when you look at the last couple seasons he's had. You know, he started 17 games for the Jets, averaged 3.3 yards a carry, and they did have the worst offensive line in football according to some metrics and at least bottom five according to pretty much all of them. Um, they were Jets were last in the league in yards before contact for their running backs. I think it was .7 last year. So there are, there are some excuses there, but you know there are some other advanced metrics to look at. Just what would the average back do in the same situation? And he graded negatively in all of those. Um, however, you know he talked yesterday about it, and the Jets were a pretty predictable offense. There was actually an article in the in, uh, New York Newsday yesterday, or uh, four days ago. That said, Adam Gase is trying to open up the playbook to run up the middle. And uh, Le'Veon Bell kind of referred to that yesterday when he said the Chiefs are more horizontal. Um, they do more misdirection. They do screen passes. They try and get the running backs in space in different ways. 
If you're trying to be the optimist, I think that's probably what you look at. Why this guy could be a little bit closer to maybe what he was in Hey, Herbie, how much do you think we'll see of, of Le'Veon Bell on, on Sunday? Look, he said that they want to take a day-by-day approach with, with Le'Veon Bell because he is picking up a new offense. But to Sam's point, I'm going to take the, the, other, the opposite side of that. We, we can look at Bell's stats and what he did with the Jets. And to me, it all comes down to Adam Gaze. Gaze has alienated so many players in New York. We're talking about Jamal Adams, an all-pro safety. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver, who's now having a career year in Carolina. Uh, they traded away Jordan Willis from K-State, obviously, and they traded away Steve McClendon. I don't, I don't know what they're doing in New York, but I don't think they've, they've got a system in place up there that can utilize and take advantage of players' skill sets. I don't think they're going to see Bell be the, the, the cowbell, so to speak, in Kansas City because you do have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I think what you end up having here is a very potent one-two attack with Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Sort of like what you saw in New Orleans with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. I think that's what it's probably going to lean to, two running backs complementing each other's style. Herbie hitting all the highlights there. We got a K-State reference and a New, and a New Orleans reference in the same thought. Was that Jordan Willis move a big move for New York? Hey, I think it was, man. Franchise changing? <laughs> um. Not unlike maybe Sam Mellinger, what the Chiefs were last year at the be- at least for the beginning with LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams in terms of uh, the workload, but but Bell's a different type of back, right? He is that's a that's a bigger body uh, guy who's great in space, uh, picking up blitzes. I think the uh, you know I, I couldn't help but think there were, there was a time. A few years ago, when the Chiefs added a play to the roster, and I just went, eh, whatever. <laughs> and over the last couple of years now, they added, you know, they had a Mike Pinnell, they had a, you know, Terrell Suggs, they had a Stephen Wisniewski. Everybody they add works and contributes. And uh, and now Le'Veon Bell, I can't help but think that this is um, that this is going to work out well. It is still kind of a weird feeling. I guess I've covered the Chiefs long enough that it, it, it's weird just expecting moves to work now. You know, it's just like, oh, they know what they're doing. (laughs) Still getting used to it. Um, The the Le'Veon Bell, like I I keep going back to um, what they thought they were going to have when they drafted Clyde. And and I think now, depending on how fast Le'Veon Bell gets the terminology and all that stuff, because this is not an offense that you can learn like over a lunch break, right? Like this is going to be need need some. and, And Andy will meet them halfway. Right. But, um, you know, there's a lot of complicated terminology and all the pre-snap motion. um, You know, there's just a lot of like literally moving parts. But if if he can at whatever point he I'm talking about Le'Veon Bell um, sort of grasp that. um, I think the Chiefs have what they expected to have when they drafted Edwards and which is um, that one, two with Damian Williams. And now Le'Veon Bell becomes Damian Williams. Um, one thing I noticed, and I'm not pretending to um, th- that I like spent hours and hours watching old like Steelers tape or whatever. Um, but if you look at some um, some snaps that he had, he's a lot better in pass protection than I realized, and and that's a critical thing. Obviously, I mean we talked about that before. Everything from the top to the bottom, everybody in that franchise has to protect the quarterback, and and as long as that uh, Le'Veon Bell can do that, uh, you know I, I think he's he's good with the simple stuff that they'll give him. At least the simple stuff in the beginning. And then he'll be a different guy. You know, we're, we're talking on October 22nd. He'll be a different guy on December 22nd. 
and you know January twenty second, you know when we get to more of the time that that they'll really need it. If I can say something real quick to to Melly's point there, you know he, he mentioned Damian Williams, and I think that's that's the piece that was missing with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He didn't yeah. have that veteran presence there. Remember, Damian uh, opted out of the season shortly before training camp, and then after camp, don't forget they were also interested in bringing in Adrian Peterson, another veteran. So with Bell, you've got that veteran presence who can take that rookie under his wing and say, this is how it is in the National Football League, and this is what you need to do to improve and become a, a true professional. I don't think Bell is going to make the money in the running. He is a phenomenal wide receiver. It, it, it was just a few years ago he was widely regarded as the elite of the elite running backs when it comes to being all around because this guy can do it in the passing game, and I think that's where he's going to make his money. Does memory serve me well? Didn't didn't Le'Veon Bell catch like a fifty or sixty yard pass uh, from Roethlisberger in the playoff game? And Justin Houston was was covering him um, back in <laughs> back in twenty sixteen. Can't have um, enough Justin Houston coverage. <laughs> fifty yards downfield. I think he was covering Antonio Brown on that play. It may, it may be. He I, was I, covering I, Antonio Brown some too. Yeah, that was, okay. They caught him in the mind. <laughs> and Patrick, point, because if you recall yesterday, Patrick Mahomes even mentioned that. You know, he, he mentioned that in this offense, Bell is going to be lined up against a, a, a linebacker more often than he has in the past. And it's going to be, it's, it's, it's got to take advantage of those mismatches and leave a mismatch waiting to happen. Okay. Hey, Larry Looper checks in. Good to see you, Larry. Um, Adam Geary wants to know if, if Mellinger has been sent to the basement. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, it's, uh, it, he is subterranean uh, right now. And uh, so somebody's going to comment on where somebody is, and it's not where, where Herbie is, because I have no idea where the hell Herbie's coming in from right now. <laughs> you know what's weird is I feel like I actually upgraded. I've been like stuck in my bedroom, you know, on on this chair that we bought seven years ago as the rocker for our first kid that like is half broken, and now I come into the office. I'm wearing a damn caller <laughs> I feel like I'm presenting myself like a professional yes you are you <laughs> for once <laughs> all right Vahe let's uh let's let's hear your lady on bill take yeah I was hoping you would just let me be and, and be the good looking guy in the group but um you know what all those things kind of come together and I think it's really interesting I mean th- there's completely legitimate questions about what he's got left right but the flip side of that is, you know, had a year off um, and, you know, obviously misused, I think is probably the best way to put it in New York. And something went terribly wrong in the um, the mix between the, him and the coaches there and Gaze in particular. And um, so it's it's a fresh start. Uh, I do. I do think the one two punch is the whole point here. I think of him as being I don't think anybody should think he's going to. He would be coming in here to replace, you know, get in front of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but I think it'll be just the right one-two punch. And the versatility with the pass game, I think you guys have said it well, but I I, I think that's going to be big, whether it's, you know, the mismatches he can create or, as as Sam Ellinger pointed out, um, it, you know, if he stays in, then they're going to have a little more effective blocking back there. And he is a big, sturdy guy. I thought it was interesting in his uh, 10 minutes with the media yesterday. Some, uh, you know, I, I thought that the fact that uh, he, he explained his running style, you know, the hesitation and uh, finding the hole that, that uh, we saw with the Steelers. He talked about that was pretty interesting. 
Um, he just seemed grateful to be here. Just And Herbie, I know you asked him about this, just how he ended up settling, not settling, but wanting to be with the Chiefs and how much Chris Jones played a role in bringing him here. Yeah, I think it was, it was Chris Jones, obviously, he and, he and uh, Le'Veon Bell, they trained together during the summer in Florida. So the Jones was in his ear, but I think what ultimately sold him was when he mentioned he had a conversation with Andy Reid. And we've heard that so many times, going back to last year with Suggs. If you remember with Suggs, when he was released by the Cardinals, he, he made it known across the league that if you claim me I'm not signing, I will only go to the Baltimore Ravens. And then what did Andy Reid do? He picked up the phone and he called him. And that convinced Suggs to come to Kansas City. And the same thing happened here. Uh, Reed talked to Bell, and Bell ultimately decided to come here because of that conversation with Reed. And everybody wants to play with Andy Reed or play for Andy Reed. And, and that's your ultimate recruiting tool. Hey, Blair, if I could just chime in one other thing, too. Just, you know, I ended up talking to this father figure of his last week, his high school principal, who, with whom he became really close. And he made, he made the point that he'll come in here a little humble, uh, certainly hungry, and, and you know, really knowing that the rest of his NFL career kind of hinges on how these next few months go. So I think between that, you can count on a guy playing with a little fire, um, wanting to be part of something instead of trying to, you know, do his own thing. Um, and I think all those things bode well. Yeah, to that point, Vahe, I, I think I remember him saying yesterday he feels – uh, one of the reasons he likes Kansas City is he, he doesn't feel the pressure here you know, that he might have felt in New York. I think that's, that was interesting to me that he, he, he felt that way. So, Well, one thing is true. Um, when he was in Pittsburgh, he ran behind a stout offensive line. And um, you know, he was over, I think, over 1,200 yards three times uh, rushing in a season, uh, pro, uh, all pro a couple times, pro bowl three times. It just worked. Uh, it worked for him in Pittsburgh with the help of that great offensive line. I think it's a different offensive line here with the Chiefs. It's a little more finesse than it is stout. You know, they it's built to 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 make Patrick Mahomes as effective as he is. So I'm wondering if if Le'Veon Bell can operate the same way in Kansas City that he did in Pittsburgh. And I, I'm not sure we're going to see him hesitate, wait for you know holes to open and then burst through. Now, having said that. I thought the offensive line was phenomenal against the Buffalo Bills. And, and Sam McDowell, you wrote about uh, this after the game, that um, that uh, the, 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 the offensive line that the Chiefs started with going you know left to right is absolutely not the same offensive line we have now. Yeah, I think what the, uh, the five-man unit, two of them that finished the game in Buffalo did not start the game a week earlier against uh, Vegas um, in Kansas City. So – you know, Andy Heck is, is um, I, I shouldn't use the word famous, but he, he's known for rotating the guys around in training camp. And Herbie's been here long enough to actually see that happen in training camp a lot, um, especially the second string guys. You know, they value versatility so much that, I mean, the front office targets it. And when the guy comes in and he's not that versatile, they try and make him so, especially when he's a backup. And that, to, to me, the two guys that, that made the performance that you just mentioned happen uh, Monday against uh, Buffalo was two guys that came off the bench, and it was Mike Rimmers and, um, and Nick Allegretti. And obviously, Daniel Kilgore got a lot of attention. He, played, he replaced Austin Ryder in the middle, and I thought he had a good game. But Mike Rimmers started at left guard, a position he hadn't played yet this year, and then he had to move to right tackle by the end of the game. That's a major switch. 
And Nick Allegretti had to come off the bench only playing 12 NFL snaps in his, in his career. That's a lot to ask. So to me, those were the two guys that, that sort of made what happened in, in um, Monday in Buffalo. And I still marvel at how successful they were. Now, having seen some of the game tape and the the holes that, that uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran through, the blocking on the fourth and one that uh, on the, on the Daryl Williams touchdown run, that, that was just phenomenal blocking. Now, a lot, some of it too was the the play calling, the misdirection, the um, you know just scheming uh, help there, but also just kind of road paving type of blocks that we're not used to seeing with the Chiefs. Um, like and as I said earlier, as a uh, and we can talk, we're going to talk about the Broncos here in a bit, but just uh, might come in handy for for the Chiefs this week. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So Sam uh, Mellinger, with a, with a column this morning, where basically uh, trashed Patrick Mahomes in the offense. Um, <laughs> Basically said it was all over. You know, it's it's uh, we're on to different things now. Um, maybe I've got that a little bit uh, misconstrued, but we are you know are you know, people looking at some of the stats and wondering you know why isn't Patrick Mahomes? We're not seeing the 2018 numbers that we saw from Mahomes last year. He had the injury for you know almost three games, so that limited the numbers. Uh, but I think you made the case pretty effectively that this offense is is working just fine, and so is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's just – it's wild to me. It's It's been going on for a few weeks. And, look, like we've talked here about, you know, um, he's not above criticism, right? I mean, he, he does drift in the pocket, and he, he breaks out too early sometimes. But it, just, it feels like there's a lot of, like, what's wrong with the Chiefs offense stuff going on. And their quarterback is on pace for uh, 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, and three interceptions. Like that'll yeah. play, right? Like what, what? What are we looking for? If if you look up like the quarterbacks who have thrown forty touchdowns, I mean, it's he, he just broke the curve when he comes out with five thousand and fifty in his first season. Now it needs to be six thousand and sixty in the next year, or else you know what are we doing here? Um, but if you look at the just forty touchdowns, like that's a really short list, and uh, and and guys that have done forty twice. Um, an even shorter list, right? Like it just, um, I think he's been terrific, especially when you, when you think about the context of until the Buffalo game, he's doing all this and, and he's first in like football outsiders metrics. Um, his QBR would be the best of his career if, if it stays where it is right now. Um, and he's doing all this against seven defensive backs that are all dropping into coverage to cover his wide receivers. Um, which is also part of why he's on pace for something like 450 yards rushing, uh, which would be by far, I mean, that'd, that'd be twice as much as he's ever done in his career. I just, um, 
it, it just it, it, it just hit me for whatever reason this week of listening to a lot of like and nobody's like trashing Patrick Mahomes. I don't want to like get like dramatic or anything, but it's like just sort of like, wow, how can they get to the next level? And it's like, guys, like 31 teams need to get to the next level to be where the Chiefs are right now. And and I get like we expect them to score touchdowns all the time because of their talent, but um, they're doing pretty damn good, you know? And it's just, it, it helps me at least like just reset a little bit and, you know, not just the film and look at like, you know, a drop by Kaiser, um, you know, that could have changed that game, the hold on assembly, you know, like th- these things, but um, statistically and on the film, I mean, it's just, they are cold blooded and, you know, it's, it wasn't that long ago that this team is losing playoff games without giving up a touchdown, you know, and like, let's, let's, let's just be realistic here a little bit. You know what I mean? Not scoring in the second half. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. 21 to three at home against, you know, as an eight and a half point favorite and, and you can't seal a deal like that is not happening again. You know, if the, if the Chiefs are up 21 to three at halftime. Uh, I'm gonna file my column by the end of the third quarter. <laughs> well, with, our de- with our deadlines, you'll have to. But- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, he's still second in uh, in Vegas in, in the MVP race, um, behind Russell Wilson, and that that's it. So, yeah. um, just to kind of, I, I guess, hammer down that point. Pro Football Focus has them first. I mean, that's not a betting site, right? Like they're just more focused on like who will actually win, not the odds. But they've got him first, and and some of that is, um, you know, the like how well he played just individually. I know they lost, but they still scored thirty-two damn points, right? But um, you know that Raiders game, he was really good. <laughs> like I mean, him just individually. I mean, he broke the pocket, yes, uh, but just the throws he made and the decisions, like uh, he was really good. And their their point with that is that. You know, people, the, the shiny objects, right? We all get distracted by shiny objects. Me, very much at the top of the list. But, um, you know, that, that if he just keeps playing like that, those things are going to stack up by the end of the year. But um, anyway, maybe he's at the point now where, like, remember they wouldn't give Jordan the MVP a bunch of years? You know, it's just like, I'll sick of it. Give it to Carl Malone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, maybe, I don't know if he's already there. Hey, I think your point about the shiny object is 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 really true, Sam. And I think that's part of what, what when you're talking about people talking about this, that's kind of the thing that's happening. I'm pretty sure Andy Reid used the word "manage the game" yesterday uh, when he term, and and but but I, I think he meant it in the best of ways. And I think that's that's sort of part yeah. of the point of everything you're saying. It's the context has kind of changed, right? From the 2018 shootouts where you yeah. got to score 42 to win to having a more complete team. Although we can talk about special teams sometimes, that's been a little weird. Yeah. Um, but have you know you, you play the game differently, and naturally you play the game differently when they've got seven guys back too. And by the way, when when Patrick has become or Patty as Le'Veon Bell called him yesterday, <laughs> has become mature enough to understand that he, he he's going to have to just go ahead and take the little chunks and the, the the little bits and pieces, and that that's okay. I I think that was a big step in the Buffalo game. Yeah, by like I, I just. I just want to underline what the, the word he uses, like maturity. And and I haven't heard Andy, maybe I've missed it, maybe he said this, but I haven't heard him use that word or Eric Bieniemy. Um, but I think it fits. I mean, he's still 25 years old, and you might expect a guy like that with his talent and the talent around him to want to go for 50 yards every snap. And, and he doesn't. Like, he's okay going underneath. He's okay, you know, like 
and he'll admit, like in an RPO, he's got to like remind himself, uh, hand it off, hand it off, hand it off. You know, uh, like he's still got that in him. But I think that's natural for a quarterback. But just that maturity. I mean, that, that he's so far ahead of schedule in that way, and and I think that's been a big benefit um, this season with the way that the teams are playing against them. Uh, David Gaidis or, or Giddis, I hope I'm. I hope it's one of those two, David. Uh, <laughs> just a reminder, uh, the NFL is scoring at a record rate, so I think that skews some people's perceptions of how the season is going. Sure. I think that's a good point, um, yep. really good point. Um, so, and, and Andrew Leifer, the, the performance versus the Bills was so atypical and run-heavy. My gut says Andy Reid would never be able to commit to doing it again versus the Broncos. I don't know about that. Um, we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, I, I think we might see the Chiefs try to establish the run uh, against the Broncos on on, on Sunday. Before the we Broncos talk about they run really well, that, and I think that's an interesting matchup. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that, that no, you're is right. An interesting matchup. Boy, did they play great defense last week against the, the New England Patriots. Yeah. So before we talk about that, let's let's mention the defense quickly here. Um, I thought one of the storylines that came out of the Bills game was how well the defense responded to the previous week. Yeah. Uh, and I thought their pride was hurt. I thought they were embarrassed a little bit. And now you give Steve Spagnolo, you know, a, a week to get re- a week plus a day to get ready uh, for what, what has been a good Bills offense. And I thought he made Josh Allen look ordinary. I thought they got pressure on him without sacking him. And uh, and, the, and the corners played really well as well. If you excuse a couple of penalties, so what? Uh, what's what do we say about the, the Chiefs' defense? Is that uh, um, do, do they need to be reminded every once in a while that this is a good unit? And in uh, games like Derek Carr, the Raiders can happen every so often. Yeah, I thought um, the. I, I, I'm not saying anything brand new here, but. Um, the pass rush, I, I feel like it's just it, everything that they do, the way that they built their roster, first of all, um, and then the second level of that is the way that Steve Spagnuolo, I think, has designed you know, his general game plans. It all starts with the pass rush. And, and that's something, I, I don't know what the Raiders did. Um, I think at least a good chunk of that was, was what the Chiefs didn't do um, in getting to the quarterback. But they, they were in Josh Allen's face a lot. And Allen may have helped him out some um, by throwing, you know, just at least this season, uncharacteristically inaccurate passes. Uh, but if they can get to the quarterback, um, I don't, you know, they'll keep you under 20 points. I, I just think that's that's what we've seen. Right. right. Hey, uh, Ron Locklar, great to hear from you from Germany. And uh, I really appreciate you tuning in to Sportsbeat Live and, uh, and uh, for this for this Chiefs discussion. So we okay. can get somebody here from Germany, but the guy from Fort Leavenworth can't even get on. Who <laughs> <laughs> spent a lot of years in Germany, by the way. <laughs> Herbie, you still with us? Okay. <laughs> we'll wait for Herbie to come back, but let's dive into the let's dive into the game on Sunday. Chiefs at Broncos. What a, what a crazy series this has been. I, Sam Melliger, I remember you and I talking a few years ago about. Uh, Chiefs Broncos series, and we we talked about the Broncos dominated the series when they had Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? John Elway and then Peyton Manning, and how the uh, the story has turned. 
because yeah. the, the Chiefs are bidding for their ninth straight win or tenth straight win against the Broncos. And I think its number would be six in a row in Denver if they're able to get it done on Sunday. An eight and a half point favorite to to win for a sixth straight year in Denver. I never thought I'd see the day when the Chiefs had this much success against the Broncos. I I've always found it interesting that you know people of let's just say the Vahe in my vintage. You know, think about the Raiders, Chiefs, Raiders as the the, the big rivalry. But those younger, they grew up with Broncos and Chiefs, uh, and that's I always thought that uh, for for a, for a generation, that's the the bigger rival for the Chiefs has been the Denver Broncos, and uh, and it's just been interesting to see how the Chiefs have handled uh, Denver this week. So what what can we expect, and how will the weather play into uh, a Chiefs uh, Broncos game? If there's snow, it's going to be cold. Uh, the forecast is for twenty, I think twenty three degrees at kickoff after being seventy the day before in Denver. And and sixty percent chance of snow by kickoff as well. So, Vahe, what do you think? Well, I, I suddenly reminded of uh, of Patrick. Uh, I think I'm a snow guy, or whatever <laughs> that was he said last year in the snow globe at Arrowhead. Um, you know, I, I so it's it's nine in a row, and, and I was thinking about this. I was doing a little research for uh, something I'm going to write on Lock and. Uh, I think until this nine in a row, the Chiefs hadn't beaten the Broncos nine times in Drew Locke's life um, on, here on earth uh, since 2000 or whenever he was born, or nine, whatever. And, but so I, I, I think the Chiefs are reset and I think they're a better team than the Broncos. It's not really getting into the nuances of it, but I, I, I fully expect the Chiefs to win whatever the weather is. Um but I do. I think the Broncos will be fired up, and they'll have some wrinkles for the Chiefs. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they're going to, pardon the pun, run all over them. But I think they'll run, run plenty. What do you think, Herbie? What's, what's going to? How does this play out Sunday? I think the Chiefs are going to. Yeah, hear me first of all. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, we, we we got you mostly. I think you're going to see the Chiefs extend that winning streak. I don't think the Broncos have enough firepower. It was impressive what they did against last against the Patriots last week, but this is a different Patriots team from what we're used to seeing. I, I just don't think they have enough to keep the Broncos or excuse me, to keep the Chiefs in check. Great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey Sam McDowell, what, what was the what was the Darth Vader reference uh, from Drew Locke yesterday? Yeah, we got uh, so Herbie Vahe and I all hopped on the Drew Locke call yesterday. Um, shout out to Broncos PR for letting us do that. Um, but, uh, I just asked him basically is, is the fact that you're playing against Kansas city, is it always going to be in the back of your mind? Or are you past that point already to where this is just another game? And to his credit, he was very candid about it. He said, he's not going to play differently because it's the chiefs, but absolutely he thinks of it differently. His, his parents are flying out there to the game from Kansas city to Denver to the game, but said that, you know, because of the way his family grew up rooting for the Chiefs, his friend, most of his friends rooted for the Chiefs, that he said he now views himself as like a Darth Vader type. And he says he enjoys playing that role. He's learned to embrace that role. And it's funny because his whole life, um, and stop me, Vahe, if I'm just reading your story at this point, but well, his whole life. <laughs> His his whole life, you know, he, he chose to be the guy that stayed home. You know, he, he was the homegrown guy that went to Mizzou and did everything right. And now by no choice of his own, he's the enemy because he was drafted to Denver. You know, he made another funny comment about the fact that 
he, he asked himself at one point, do I be the guy when I come back home in the offseason to still wear the Broncos shirt around Kansas City? And he said, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. As he should, yeah. yeah. Hey, just, just to add on, uh, to, to take our audience a little bit into how the sausage is made, um, we got on this call yesterday, and the way this works in the Zoom era, we have to raise our hands to get questions in. And Sam McDowell, being the team player he is, knew that uh, I was going to work on something on Drew, but raised his hand uh, to get in on the action and played Wedgebuster for a story that's going to uh, benefit me and led to some fun follow-up questions with Drew. So uh, tip of the cap to Sam McDowell for that. I, um, I appreciate I appreciate that vibe, but I will say Drew Locke was great yesterday throughout. He was. He and, was. And he always know, is. He is good. And, you know, we're certainly lucky in Kansas City at the – the, the, the quarterback we have here certainly makes our jobs easier. Uh, I mean, we, we certainly get a lot more interest in what we're writing because of the quarterback we have. And, and Patrick is very good with, with us in the media, too. But there's an element of the media that's pretty lucky with the guy they have in Drew Locke over there in Denver, too. And the best thing about Drew, it really is, and we've all known him in some degree or another for a few years now, is he he really remains pretty real and pretty candid. And, Absolutely. And... and a lot of guys would not go into that, delve into the whole thing about, oh, it's Kansas City, and I talked about this last year, and you know that's all that's all in the past now. Instead, he was just you know really honest about it and offered more than he needed to, and you know spiced it up. You know, I, I talked to him for the first time um, as a high school sophomore when he was at least Summit because he had been offered by Mizzou and he'd been offered by Oklahoma to play football and basketball there. And I went out to write a feature on that. And the Drew Locke we had yesterday is the same Drew Locke I remembered meeting as a high school sophomore. It's, and I don't mean that he hasn't matured. Of course he has. But the, there's just the the realness of his personality is the same guy that, that I remember back then. I think Denver wants to have him be the guy, right? Um, because oh, absolutely. it has been such a... You know, revolving door at that position for the Broncos since Peyton Manning. You know that this, this current nine-game winning streak that the Chiefs are on against Denver started with the uh, the Peyton Manning game at Denver, where he threw four. You know, he broke the NFL was it with the NFL record for yards, career passing yards that day, and he also threw four interceptions and got benched in the second half for Brock Osweiler, and um, yeah. it was a crazy, crazy game and. Uh, Drew is the sixth different quarterback to start for the Broncos against the Chiefs during this streak. Meanwhile, just Alex Smith and, and Patrick Mahomes for, for the Chiefs. So I, I think that if, if, if you're looking at it from a Broncos perspective or if you're a Broncos fan, I, I, I think they want to believe they have the quarterback there, and they're probably a little unsure about whether they have the right head coach in Vic Fangio. So um, it's it's – you know, it's just that the eternal NFL conundrum, right? You got to get the coach and the quarterback right, and the, the Broncos kind of hope they have the quarterback right. And now they're wondering if it fixed the guy. I mean, they've only had Drew Locke for two years now. I mean, right. I mean, he's still a really young guy, and he also hasn't had a game where he's been healthy and all of his weapons have been healthy this year. You know, he played in the opener. Um, they're missing. Uh, KJ Hamler in that game, they, they might get him back on Sunday, which which would be big for them because he's a speed guy, and we saw what the Raiders speed guy did to the Chiefs. 
Um, but, you know, I, I, I probably should sort of contradict myself a little bit because the one difference that I did see in Drew Locke now compared to what he used to be is he does have a chip on his shoulder. And that came from the draft, the way the draft went. You know, we heard a lot at Mizzou that he only beat the teams he was supposed to beat. He didn't put up the numbers against the good teams. Still expected to be a first-round pick. He was a first-round pick on most teams' board. And he dropped to the second round, didn't even go back there. Um, to watch for the second round. His friends had to convince him to actually go up on stage and um, drive over there after he'd been drafted in Nashville. Um, And it was because he was pissed off uh, about the way the draft went. So that's the one difference, I think, in Drew Locke now is he does play. That's always in the back of his head. He remembers that he has some doubt. And certainly growing up, there weren't a lot of people doubting Drew Locke. Right. Okay, while we have Herbie here, um, let's uh, we, let's get to some uh, some scores, uh, some predictions, uh, how we think it's going to go on on Sunday, and we'll start with Herbie because uh, just don't know how long you can hear Herb. So, what do, how's it going to go on Sunday? You want to text that to me, Herbie? I mean. <laughs> Twenty-one. I don't know. Uh, hey, all right. So thirty-eight to twenty-one. We got it. We got it. Okay. Hey, Vahe, what do you think? Well, first of all, it makes me think of uh, the fact that we're not going to get the uh, the Charlie Brown uh, um, Thanksgiving or Halloween special this year, and Charlie Brown's teacher. That's what Herbie Herbie sounds like. Um, but, uh, I'd say uh, I I feel like thirty-one or thirty-two seems to be the right number for the Chiefs every week. Uh, roughly that. Uh, let's go with uh, Chiefs thirty-one, uh, Broncos uh, fourteen. Wow, a blowout! All right, uh, Sam McDowell. Um, I agree with everything Herbie has said. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring because of the weather. Um, I'm going to say twenty-seven fourteen Chiefs. Okay. All right, Sam Mellinger. Um, I'm going something like 27, 23. Uh, th- there's a part of me that believes that the same way we, we were just talking, you guys were just talking a little bit about this, about how much this game means to Denver and they need to win that, you know, like just show the Chiefs the same way like the Raiders threw their season <laughs> at the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. And I, I could see the Broncos doing the same thing on Sunday and keeping a little bit closer. I, I kind of like a low score. I, I, I like 20, 23-16-ish um, for, for this. And uh, I, I just – the snow – look, Vic Van, for whatever else he is, Vic Fangio has a great defensive mind, and I, I think he'll have a good scheme for the Chiefs. So I, I think it'll be it, – you know, we're not going to see five touchdowns uh, by the Chiefs. So I'm going to say 23-16, but also – I think we all picked the Chiefs to beat the Bills the previous week, so um, we, we were on that one when it wasn't obvious that that was going to happen. So, all right, well, let's get uh, let's get our technical difficulties figured out by Sunday, and uh, and it's it's always great talking to you and hearing from you, uh, hearing from you guys. Um, uh, Larry, you're a star. Um, heard a lot of Larry Luper today, so. Uh, for Sam McDowell, Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and our producer, Beth Welsh. Uh, we will talk to you again after the Chiefs-Broncos game on Sunday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Sam McDowell for joining me to talk Chiefs. 
Their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you, especially for those who want a deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. How do you get this great deal? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. And do you want more than sports coverage? I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble finding or hunting down any of these offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com and I'll get you to the right place. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening and we'll be back on Friday with another episode. Mm-hmm.